Oh look, you're back. Part two of the John Ramirez Roundtable episode. And today's going to be interesting. Today is part two of three. We just figured that out. Look at us. Look at us. So today is more so on faith, prayer, but also feelings. How much have feelings infiltrated the church? So many things that we're seeing happen right now in society are based off of our feelings going sideways. And ultimately, on one hand, our feelings will betray us. On another hand, praise God for feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in the atmosphere. There's just a certain point that we cannot cross where we are so focused on our feelings, less focused on our faith. This is dangerous territory. I don't want to give too much away. You might want to sit down, buckle up, don't stand up, hold on to your hats, blah, blah, blah. What did they say? Disneyland? All that noise? They're all a bunch of perverts anyways. Whatever. Here we go. Welcome to the fourth watch. As the world is falling apart, the church should be coming together. But we have to wake up first. Biblical prophecy is unfolding and we keep looking for a new normal. The enemy is parading in broad daylight. We keep changing the channel. The media keeps saying look left when the real activity is happening to the right. 2020 caught everyone off guard, which leads to one very important viewpoint. Every demonic influence running rampant in America right now had to go to the church to get here. It's time we changed our focus and our footing. No more excuses, no more racial divide, no more ignorance, and no more country club church. The enemy feels like he's on a winning streak, but we're here to remind him and you of our biblical and American heritage. We serve the Lord of Angel Armies, and we thrive when our backs are against the wall. The goal of the Fourth Watch is clear to equip you with a biblical foundation as it relates to spiritual warfare. You don't need to be a pastor or a teacher to recognize what's happening, and the Bible is filled with references to the last days. History isn't repeating, it's setting the stage. One of our generations has to be the last, and no one is coming to save us but God. So how do we see things as he intended? How do we see the enemy at work in our daily lives? How do we respond to demonic attacks against ourselves and our family? How do we identify the deceivers masquerading as politicians, celebrities, influencers, and even pastors? And more importantly, how do we bring revival when most Christians are focused on culture over kingdom? The fourth watch is from 3 to 6 a.m. daily, the darkest hours before the dawn. It's when Abraham raised his dagger, when Jacob wrestled with God, when Peter stepped onto the water, and when Jesus arose the third day. Now, the fourth watch is our effort to show you how spiritual warfare isn't just real, it's raging. And whether you choose to see it or not, every single one of us has a role to play. Journey with us as we search the word, discuss current events, put our faith into action, and use ourselves as an example along the way. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare for the Masses. Welcome to the fourth watch. When you talk about authority, when people pray, and Lord knows... I've had my moments of it when certain things have been overwhelming. But I know that there's a lot of the church that prays for help. It's this call that says, I'm weak. And yes, we are weak and he is strong. Like, I understand that. But when I hear people praying for help, part of me has a sense of compassion where there's something I can do. But the other part of me is like, why are you not warring in your authority? Why are you not stepping on the enemy's throat in prayer? And I don't know if that's a mindful posture that has to happen. I don't know if it's a combination of like mind, heart, faith. Like personally, when I read the Bible and it says, serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, I even apply that physically. I train accordingly because this is his temple. And this is a temple that looks like a dad bod right now because I'm not used to Pennsylvania winters and food. So that's a <laughs> separate story. But the idea is that for the people that are, listen <laughs> that are listening, when they're praying for help and they're asking for help, 
how do they turn that? Oh, well, first your opinion on, is that effective? And then how do they turn that into walking in authority and praying in authority? You want me to speak into that? I want both of you to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, okay. I said it just a minute ago. Millions of people believe in God. Very few people know how to believe God. Believing God is getting beyond the place where you're asking God to help you to do what he's already done for you. And most people, when they pray, you said it a few minutes ago, you said that, um, you know, they're praying to get their needs met. Well, God's not moved by a man's needs. Needs don't move God. And so people that are begging and asking God to help them based on their needs, God can't do anything with that prayer. That's why their prayers go mostly unanswered. Because the only prayer that God answers is the prayer of faith. It's the only thing that moves God. And faith begins, as I teach, where the will of God is known. And the reason that most people do not walk in authority is they don't know the will of God. Because God said his word will not be altered nor his covenant broken. But if you don't know the word, if you don't know the covenant, if you don't know the will of God, how will you effectively pray in faith? And so now a prayer goes beyond God meeting my needs, it's now become the decree of my position, my stance, my, my uh, possessions in the spirit, etc. And so what God has promised, he, he is able to perform. But again, he doesn't just do it for me because I believe it. He does it through me because I believe it and I walk in it and I decree a thing. And, uh, and so, because back to the main point, and, and, and I believe that this is Christianity 101. This is, this is foundational, back to basics. Everybody needs to understand, if you're listening for the first time and you're, this is all kind of new to you, you need to understand God is not moved by your needs. If God was moved by needs, there would not be a need for a food bank. Right? God raises up a food bank to meet needs to draw people to him, but God's not moved because they need it. God's moved because people have faith. There would, there would not be starving children on the trash heaps of Delhi, India, or, or Manila, Philippines if God was moved by a need. Right? God does not operate because there's need. It, he would cease to be God if he purely met a need just because somebody had a need. He's only moved by faith. It is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans speaks about the law of faith. It is a spiritual law. And if you, as an attorney, you understand laws are there to govern, to establish structure. John said it this morning uh, that the kingdom of heaven is principled, right? God's kingdom, the word of God is not difficult but it is disciplined. It's principled. And if we will follow the principles, the principles will work for you. I mean, you know, even in your physical uh, workouts, there's principles. And if you break those principles, you'll hurt yourself. Well, a lot of the church is hurting right now because they don't know the principles. And many people are trying to work out. So they'll, they'll frustrate themselves in prayer because they'll, they'll go and give hours of praying. But all they're doing is confessing their needs. Well, confessing your needs doesn't do anything. I'd like to ask John a question. Me? John, so many people have asked me, does mm -hmm. Satan think he's going to win? 
When people play the lotto, they think they're going to win, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know, you know, one thing I just want to say, just piggyback from, uh, well, you know, it's, it's funny because it's like when the Philistines fought Israel and they fought, you know, the Philistines, I'm sure they understood that they, they, Israel had a bigger God. You know, they understood, but they still took the Pepsi Challenge. They still got in the field hoping, thinking that something was going to turn around. And Satan knows he ain't going to win, but Satan's plan is to slow you up, you know what I mean, and to vote the plan of God in your life. So, so, so today, the church at large is a type of Samson in the lap of Delilah of the world. Yeah. Understand? So, so I look at the spiritual condition of the person. People, I get, I get like 15,000 emails a year. Maybe maybe fifteen thousand people telling me the condition they're in. So I, to me, it's like like you were saying. I pray, but I, w- what are you doing for yourself, right? Because the Bible said the man falls seven times. Seven times you get back up, right? But there's people not getting back up. Understand? Because they don't trust God, like Pastor was saying. They don't know the principles of the kingdom. They don't know the word of God. They don't tr- they don't have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? You can get sucker punched, but you get back up, right? So I tell people, we right now we're sitting in a warehouse, right? So I'm sure my brother here knows the assessment. Of the warehouse, what he has in his warehouse. See, so if people listening today, if you go into any torment, you go into any situation, you open a door, like the church today, right? We, 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 the church today has made a deal with Ahab, spirit of Ahab, because the spirit of Ahab is the only spirit that can tolerate Jezebel. With me? So, so if you're in a spiritual condition, you have to understand if you go into a spiritual situation, oppression, depression, you know, you can't medicate a demon, by the way. So whatever oppression, whatever you're going through, any sickness, any bound, any, any generation of curse, you need to do an assessment of your warehouse. Understand? Find where is the situation at. And then by the word of God, by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the, by, by, by the principles of the kingdom, you need to go attack that area, right? Because if you have cancer in the area, they bring the radiation situation to that area. They don't bring it to the whole body. They bring it to the one area. So, so, so bring the Holy Spirit to that one area. And I'm, I promise you, the Holy Spirit will set you free. In that area. But, you know, we become Christian, Christian. We become lazy Christian. We want other people's anointing to jump on us and grab us and touch us and flip us and anoint us and put oil on us. And it just become a mess because that's what the church is teaching. It's like pageantry, right? I mean, you see these things live and you see people having an experience and say, there's power there. There's something there. They don't even accept that that power is available to them, operating within them. And what you're saying is, instead of asking for help in prayer, look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. at your condition. Look at what you've done, what you've made, how you're doing it. That takes honesty. That takes someone that is actually willing to look at themselves from the outside. And you really need to look at yourself through the lens of this book. But people are still consumed with asking for help. I mean, you even have songs that says, the Lord's going to fight my battles. He absolutely does through us. Amen. Amen. To us. I, right. I, I hear the song, and I know that it's so uplifting for people, right? Yeah, yes, he's going to fight my... No, he But, didn't. yeah, it's like, uh, actually, you should step forward. Mm-hmm. They mistake the one scripture that says you need not fight this battle, for the battle is the Lord's. But if you read the context, the army had marched out to the battlefield and were prepared to war. So they weren't sitting back going, okay, well, I, I can just sit at home in my lazy boy and watch Disney Channel with my family. I got something to say about Disney, but anyway. (laughs) But it says you need not to fight this battle. It didn't say you need not fight all the battles. But then if you continue to track with that, they didn't just put their weapons down. 
No, they continued to march forward and positioned themselves and the help of heaven came. And that's where we've missed that uh, illustration because the help of heaven doesn't come until you step on the ground that God told you to possess. So God's not going to say, okay, well, let me just go do this for you. And if you'll show up in two weeks, I'll have it all taken care of. No, you're going to have to stand, make your stand and position yourself and God will fight with you. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to fight for you. Amen. It's, like, it's in, the, in the Old Testament, right? How many times God said, I give you the promise, son, but you got to go in there and fight. Right? Absolutely. God said, you know, don't go. <laughs> Skin in the game. I personally feel that there's actually a component of sweat equity that's ingrained in our DNA because when you labor with someone, you automatically have a sense of appreciation. There's a level of trust, there's a, there's a level of camaraderie, there's a level of, okay, I know his work ethic, I'm going to co labor with this guy. And when we take this in, there's a couple more questions. I want to make sure that other people have time to ask questions too. But the idea is that if you were talking to someone right now, knowing what you know, having the background that you have, when people are being afflicted and tormented and they pray for help, would you tell them to stop? You know, first of all, you know, depending on the condition of the person, either you're in a pity party or, or, or you just don't trust God. You know, some people like pity parties, right? Some people do like pity parties, right? Some people just like, you know, they want the attention, right? So I don't know the condition of the person, but in general, you know, if I want to be free, I can be free. That's my choice to be free. It's my choice to get back up and fight the good fight. It's my choice to get back up and renounce, renounce the situation, close the door, shut it down on the enemy like he never seen it before. Because God has given me the power in, 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 within me by the Holy Spirit to take authority, take my authority back and fight the good fight. So when, say, for example, when I left the witchcraft for right? Oh, man, I had to sleep during the day because the demons would come at night. I mean, I'm talking about the devil come, Prince Jezebel would come and lay in my bed and I can hear standing like she would lean over to you, breathing right on my neck. I mean, all this stuff happened for 30 days. I, I was a baby Christian. I would, t- I would borrow other people's prayers. I heard that sister pray this way, so let me use that. And, and I'm talking about the whole room will go cold like an icebox, and my blood will go cold, and I can feel, feel the steps coming from the, the hallway, coming into the room, and it wasn't Jesus and Moses coming into the room. It was some, uh, some ugly stuff coming into the room. Coming into room to torment, torment, torment. I had to make a decision to, uh, as a even as a baby Christian, I had to make a decision. Either I'm gonna fight back, I'm gonna scratch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab some hair. I have to do something. And, I, and all I knew was that name that is above every name. And after 30 days, it stopped. And then one day I asked God, you know, I kept asking God, and God never responded. And then in the end, God said, this is what God said to every believer that's listening right now. Whatever you're going through, God is saying, God said to me, after 30 days, I mean, if I would have went 31 days, I think I would have lost my mind. That's how, that's how crazy the attack was. Dumb devils came for me. The witchcraft people did witchcraft from Miami, Haiti, from, from Miami, Haiti, Cuba, New York City. And, I mean, they tried to destroy me because I, I knew all the secrets of, of, of the demonic world. And I, they, somehow they knew I was going to expose it. I mean, they hit me. I mean, they, I mean, they hit me with everything that they got. And, and that name above every name. I, I mean, that name above every name. And, and the thing that they, they get me the most, after I pray, I said, Lord, why you let, I, I give you my life. I, I, I left the witchcraft for her to follow you. God never answered. And one day I was just in church worshiping as a young believer. And God said, you want me to answer you now? I said, well, better late than never. <laughs> 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 you tell me now. 
You know what God's saying? God's telling every person right now that what you're going through, God is allowing it to happen. And God is saying one thing to all people, to all, whatever you're going through, because you're a believer, because you're a Christian, you're being tormented, or, you, or, or you're dealing with the devil, or the devil's appearing in your house, or you're being choked by the devil at night, you can't breathe, you can't scream in the name of Jesus, or you got generational stuff, whatever door is open, God is saying, like he said to me, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Did I put you in this fight? Did I allow this condition to show up at the door? There's sometimes we make mistakes. We open doors, you know, because there's people, you know, they open doors. They get into that whole pornography crazy stuff, right? They open doors, right? I mean, there's, there's things that happen. There's things you open your own doors. But you have the right to renounce and close the doors. How I do it? Sell your laptop. Put it on eBay for a season. You know, you, you, have, you, have the, you know, I have the right to renounce any situation that comes my way. I don't have to come in agreement with the enemy. I don't have to touch and agree with the enemy. My job, my life, my whole who I am today, I touch and agree with the Holy Spirit. That's how I feel, what emotional trip the devil's trying to put me on, what the devil's trying to convince me in my mind, that don't count. The only thing that I know that the Holy Spirit got my back and I'm coming in agreement with him because he's going to work through me to give me the victory, to get me to the other side. Amen. Amen. So has the church allowed Christians to live in their feelings which is keeping them from taking that posture. Absolutely. All day, every day. The church don't even believe that we're fighting a devil. Devil who? The church don't even believe that there's the devil to fight. If this is, this is our circle, right? We know this. We see it differently, and we're still trying to connect with the outside world, right? I mean, we can operate here, up here at 30,000 feet all day long, but again, the Great Commission, the rescue mission, a yard from hell. I can't tell you how many dive bars we keep going to trying to spark up conversations with everyone. It's actually worked. You know, God's awesome. But if the feelings have become a currency almost in today's culture and the church is allowing it to happen. I mean, come on, how many churches? Listen, I, uh, are you black or are you blood? I've got a bunch of guys that are listening out in California. You know, half, more than half of my men's group back there were black. And I had to call them at the onset of March and April last year like, what are you guys doing? I'm, I'm looking at their social media posts and I'm like, we're brothers, right? When I talked to them, we were able to reach common ground because of Christ, because of the blood. It's the same blood that's covering us, that's, that's driving through us. And thank God I had moments with these guys, a few hour-long conversations. But when I get into this, the church has allowed even the feelings of racial divide and systemic racism, which if you look at it, most people are not under the burden of systemic racism anymore, not, especially not in California, with as progressive as we are. The institutional racism hasn't been there for 20 years, minimum, if not longer. When the church even pervades this message, how much is the church an obstacle to people getting freedom from these attacks and from that spiritual posture? <laughs> Pastor. Because, well, I mean, for me, the church is, an, like I said, the church type of Samson in the lap of Delilah, which is the world. You allow the world coming to your church, manipulate you, control you, and now it's about, oh, they Puerto Rican, they black, they white, you know, black life matter. I call it whatever it is. Black life matter, you know, all life matter. So you tell me my Puerto Rican life don't matter? No, I don't think so. Every life matter. I believe that everybody, Jesus died for all people. Jesus, we need to live, we need to be kingdom-minded 
people. I don't let situation divide me. Things of the world cannot divide me because I don't live in the world. I live for Jesus and Jesus alone. And when I'm coming to a place, it's I love you. I love you because Christ loved me. I have the I have I have the ability to love you. I can I, I don't care if you save or not save. The other day I was doing an interview. I was doing a, one of these Zoom thing, and uh, I have an e-course, and, and, and a homosexual guy came on from Canada, and he's telling me, you know, and, he, and he's telling me, uh, you know, I, I want to break generation uh, uh, soul ties. You know, I read, I saw your e-course, I took it, and I want to break soul ties. I said, well, let's do something better. And he said, what do you mean? I said, let's break the homosexual spirit so you don't have to have soul ties. You see, I was loving on the guy. You know, I didn't say, well, you're going to hell, you're doing this, yeah. you know, you know, send me a postcard when you get to hell. No, you know, <laughs> it, 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 is, it is one thing I want to be known for. Be, when I, the day I leave the earth, I want to be known that I love God's people. Because at one time, as a, as a ex of worshiper, I hated Christians. I hated Christians so much that they hired me to kill this Christian woman with witchcraft. Right? And when I found out she was a, I was going to get paid $10,000 to do witchcraft on her and kill her. I didn't know she was a Christian. When the lady came up and told me she's a Christian, I said, let me do it for free. I don't want the money. I'll kill her for free, the witchcraft. So, so now I, I want to, my, my, my thing is I want to be known, not as an evangelist, not as an author. I don't want to be known for those things. I, I'm grateful for them. But I want to be known because I love God's people. I love the saved and the unsaved. Do I love your condition? No, I'm not in agreement with your condition, but I love you. And I, I, and, and I want you to get God's best in your life, some way, somehow. That's my story. I love you. It's not a Puerto Rican thing. It's not a Ricky Martin thing or, or, or Babalua Yed or it's not a Ricky Ricardo thing. It is, it is a Jesus thing. And to me, I operate with kingdom principles. Over feelings. Over feelings, emotionals, you know, all, all that situation. Because the devil plays in emotions. Jesus don't play on your feelings, on your emotions. My relationship with God, that's, what, that's my, God plays in my relationship with him. Understand? So that's why the enemy can't move me or separate me from God. It's because it's, not, it's my footing. It's planted on the rock, and I don't, I don't move by emotions and feelings. Oh, today I'm a Christian, tomorrow I'm not. See, I don't see things in parts. You know, I'm not trying to see things in part anymore. I see that what God did yesterday for me and what God did two weeks down the line, what God did 10 years down the line, he's the same God that can do it for me today. And he, I am convinced that he could do it for me today and he could do it for me tomorrow. I am convinced. You cannot change my mind. I know he can do it for me. Watch and see. He's going to do it for me. And the reason why people are swayed by the church and the feelings, amen, by the way, but the reason why they're swayed, and I'm going to throw this at you, Pastor, is that part of Samson and Delilah's story. It said that Samson was vexed to death. Mm -hmm. So if the body of Christ that's coming into the church is Delilah, vexing the church to death, what is the body of Christ bringing in all the noise from the outside? That book isn't the filter that they should be hearing everything through, or the lens we should be seeing through. So what's the message to pastors who are being vexed to death by a congregation who say, oh, you have to do something about this. You have to speak about this. You have to say something about this. And then they tender some sort of response 
that's outside of the biblical narrative, how do we encourage those pastors to kind of stop and regain that biblical footing? <clears throat> Good question. <laughs> Again, outside of there being an awakening within the individual, because awakenings are individual. Uh, you mentioned Samson being vexed, vexed to death. It also speaks of um, Lot vexing his righteous soul, sitting in the gates of Sodom. So he was in a place of justice and judgment. Gates are, is judgment. But in the, in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, he was consistently bombarded by the wickedness, homosexuality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to the point where he was vexed in his soul to the place of acceptance. He accepted it as the norm rather than pushing back and judging righteous judgment. And so for me, as a, as, as in my position, um, and I don't know about a lot of other uh, men of God as far as their pastors, I, I assume that there's plenty and have one other thing that I, I want to speak into, but I realize that uh, what God has put on me, I'm going to account for before him. And as the scriptures tell me, I have a higher level of accountability because of the people that are under me. And I, I like what John said while he was here with us um, at Legacy Faith was, I'm here to get you home. Right? Amen. John's there to get you in the door. I'm mm -hmm. here to get you home. I'm mm -hmm. here to help you grow, develop, and strength to get you to the finish line, beyond the finish line. Which goes back to what what you were asking in the original question was, is well, has the church allowed feelings to dominate? And the answer is absolutely yes. That so much of the church and churches are building their ministries based on whatever the trending um, apparatus is, vehicle is to attract people, but that's no different than the spirit of entertainment that has seduced and deceived so much of, of the public. And at the end of the day, faith is not a feeling. And I, I'm going to come back to this, come back to this, Amen. come back to this. It is by faith. It's not by a feeling. And if you're moved by your feelings, then you'll never be successful in the kingdom of God. Because sometimes you have to make your stance when your feelings are contrary to what the word of God has said. Um, many of you don't know it, but... 2016, I was diagnosed with uh, stage four head and neck cancer. They said I would never speak again. They said I, I would be lucky to live beyond a certain amount of time. Well, people, I'm here. I could not go by my feelings. And I'm here to tell you there was an emotional battle. When you get a report that that's, that's that devastating, you reel in your emotions. But what do you do when your emotions reel? You go back to the anchor. Right. When the storms begin to blow and when the contrary winds are hitting you and the information is not what you wanted to hear. Or as we're also speaking about, many times the enemy will try to drive you away from the spirit of God, Delilah, through flattery. Right. will try to push you into another direction to make you feel good about a feeling. But at the end of the day. The conviction and the understanding in your heart is, people, there's one word, there's one will, there's one way. His name's Jesus, and it's that we all make it to the end and, and be victorious. And so um, feelings are unfortunately predominant in the church, and we have to get back to the message of faith. Jesus, you know, said, of course, in his word, without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
So if you're going to please God, anybody that's listening that really has a desire to walk with and please God, they must develop and build faith. Faith is not what you believe. Faith is understanding that God's promises are yes and amen. And you will not understand the dimension of faith if you do not get the word in you. And faith does not come by experience. Faith does not come by tests and trials. Faith does not come by you going through stuff. Faith only comes one way, hearing the word. And if you're not in a place where somebody is teaching and ministering the word of God in a consistent measure to help you grow and develop, to challenge you and cause you to go from level to level, increase to increase the word of God, then what are you doing? If your faith is not being challenged, and when I say faith, a, an understanding of God's word that's causing you to recognize and see that God is performing his word to the nth degree and he's going to use you, um, then, then what are you doing? You're just playing church. You're just showing mm-hmm. up. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're placating yourself because you're not placating God. You're not fooling him. Check, checking your church box just doesn't earn favor with God. That's the country club where... People loved paying dues. They loved going with the family. The family gets dressed up. They go to lunch afterwards. The church gets good member tithers. So if people experience feelings anyways, right, they're going to come in. They're going to happen. And the goal is to transition through those feelings faster. You need the word. You need prayer. You need teaching. What else? Right. We're designed as emotional creatures, right? But we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by feelings, but we have feelings. I thank God for feeling. I, I, I love the presence of God. I love it when I know I just got a word from heaven and his presence fills me. And there's nothing more thrilling than that presence that comes upon me. I'm also touched with understanding when you lay hands or you feel the hurt, the wound of somebody that's, that's, that, that they're going through. And you said, should they stop praying for their, for their needs? The answer is, is no, you don't start, stop praying for your need, but you learn how to move from a need-based prayer to a faith-based prayer. And that's where the word of God, God comes. But, but because, you know, feelings are wonderful. I mean, I, you know, no, nobody wants to feel bad, but sometimes you've got to go through a battle in your soul, your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions in order to get to the place of true faith. And that's where, again, you are a spirit, you live in your body, and you possess your soul. The application, the vehicle, the power of faith does not come from the soul. It comes from the spirit. It is a spiritual force, not a soul force. It's not mentally ascended to. It's not cerebral. It's not something that you just think about and hope that it's going to come to pass. No, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is a substance spiritual that that emanates from the innermost uh, uh, part of a human being. And we're sitting right now. We're sitting in faith right now. Look at the warehouse. (laughs) <laughs> Set, what seven years you guys faithfully sewed five she's uh, holding I, I can't do math I, eight years these guys faithfully sewed into a feeding ministry right and we're sitting in faith right now uh, seven years they sowed the eighth year they harvest yeah there you go beginning it's harvest time and it's harvest time in the earth absolutely amen it's payday all right john here's a question for you just to follow up on that, yep. to almost like bookend that last question about feelings. If a Christian has a moment of wallowing in their feelings, 
for too long, are they more susceptible to an enemy attack? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, one, one, one thing I want to say quick, right? To me, it's like, this, this is my key, right? Peter was crazy. You know, Peter was whacked out. Peter, love you know, guy. I mean, I love Peter. Peter was just whacked out. I mean, my favorite, my favorite apostle is Paul. Does Paul live the life that he thought he was cheated, cheated because he didn't, he didn't grow up with the apostles and walk with Jesus for the three years? So, so Paul, to me, was a, a, an amazing, amazing leader. But, but Peter was crazy. And even in his craziness, Peter is crazy. When Jesus said, you want to leave too? You want to leave too? Peter is crazy. He said, Lord, you got the words to return life. Where would I Where go? Would go? Where would I go? I mean, <laughs> I got the answer right in front of me. Why, would you, why are you asking me to go chase the question mark? <laughs> I got the answer in front of me. Where would I go? I mean, if I walk away from you, I would was, I was sure up and die. And I'm telling people today, Jesus is the answer. Why you want to exchange the answer for a question mark? Amen. Don't play into the devil. It's game. And that's where a church that allows feelings to linger, we're leaving people in hostile territory. Mm -hmm. Without armor, without a mindset, without the fortitude of the fiery darts. So as it comes to spiritual warfare, and churches will touch on this, everyone will mention Ephesian armor from time to time. I would say spiritual warfare was at best a tenth of the messages that were coming out. And what I've heard over the decades has been lifestyle messages. The mind is powerful. The mind has to be addressed, you know, obviously taking all thoughts captive. But when you start speaking to a lifestyle and the message just perpetuates and perpetuates, it feels good. It sounds good. Leaving people in hostile territory. Is it the Christian's responsibility to seek sustenance from teaching? outside of the church if they feel that you know like charlie's position right the catholic church it was dead and it was lifeless how much of that responsibility is on us and do you feel that like christians today are doing enough with that to get fed if they if their church is not giving them a deeper message a faith growing message i should say time to relocate your house <laughs> <laughs> legacy faith church amen hey it's time to relocate your house i'm talking about, I'm talking about spiritually or geographically, I mean, why am I going to say some way that I'm going to show up and die spiritually? Like I was in a church in the Bronx, right? And I shared my, I shared a story. I came out of, I came from, you know, from the devil's kingdom, and I came to a church in the Bronx, and it was a season that was on fire. But the devil took the fire. The devil turned off the torch from the house, you know. And I was sitting there stale, and I was like, "Is this is what Christianity is about?" And then I made a mistake. What would I stay here? I mean, there has to be more about God in this. And one day I heard someone say, Times Square Church. And I was like, oh, Times Square Church, what is that? And they explained to me. And I was like, man, should I go there? Should I go there? Should I go check it out? So then I just got up and said, I got out. I, got, I took a train there. I got there on one night. And I was like, man, I had, that was the best Thursday I ever had in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm talking about I got out of there. I mean, I, got, I was lit up. You know, I knew. I said, this is what I'm looking for. And I went to Times Square Church for a season. David Wilkinson was there. And he preached his heart out. Wilkinson mentored me for three years. If I didn't get up from this death place and went to a place of life, I would have never met Nikki Cruz. He endorsed my book, uh, uh, I'm in Dangerous. I would have never had books written. I would have never been traveling. I would have never known I was an evangelist. I would have never had a calling. See, I had to get up from a place of death. And I had to go to a place that God has. God had something for me in that place to wake me up spiritually and to bring me to my purpose and my destiny. I can't die with my baby inside. The tragic, the tragic, the most tragic thing for a woman a woman a mother's to die with her baby inside 
The tragic thing for a believer is to die with your purpose and destiny inside. So I need to go somewhere to give birth to that baby because that's what's going to bring glory to God for the souls of man. And that's Amen. what people have to understand. Amen. That's what people have to understand Amen. is that when you see things for what they are and then you say, okay, I need to grow, there's an exchange that happens. You're exchanging comfort for your potential. For stretching me. Comfort for calling. And that comfort is a place where the church is leaving a lot of people right now. And so we're asking to be stretched. We're asking to grow. And it's an active faith posture. It is not a dormant, asleep. It's, it's vigilance. I mean, as cheesy as it is, right? It's the fourth watch. It's, it's extending yourself in discomfort for a moment, waking up early, abandoning the comfort of a bed to go and intercede in prayer. It doesn't make sense. People that weren't in the faith, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going out to pray at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why? That's stupid. Has it come to that? Yeah, exactly. But and that was just that was just something where God's like, "Hey, let's let's go hang out." If the comfort is there and these amazing people are, you know, being patient, listening, um, how do you stir it? What's the spark? You you might feel it, but if you don't ask yourself the big question, what should that kind of opening moment be where you push yourself outside of comfort? In my humble opinion, okay, the scripture says, "Stir yourself up." You you ask the question previous is how much is the responsibility of the individual especially those that have lived in a particular atmosphere where they're not hearing what you're hearing right how do we change that and that's where in our discomfort we have to become more vocal this isn't judgmental or critical but again the spiritual law the spiritual pattern is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god publishing a broadcast, talking to colleagues and stuff about the things that you're learning and you're seeing, sharing your story and your experience because your story and your experience is unique to you. But like Charlie, your story, your experience is awakening a small sphere which will become a greater sphere. And again, faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if we're going to stir this church out of complacency, out of uh, lukewarm complacency and, 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 and their experiential melodrama, you know, applications and all the stuff that they do, then it's going to be because we're living not only upright and holy, but we're not waiting for our lifestyles to preach the gospel. We're opening our mouths. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, the word that you preach, not the word that you believe. And that's Bible. That's knowledge. That's wisdom. That's how God does it. And so if, if we're going to be a part of God's awakening and we're going to see and help others come out, then, then number one, we have to stir ourselves up. And in stirring ourselves up, we can begin to stir communities and regions for the glory of God. But apart from it, then we're part of the problem. John, is the devil afraid of people stepping out in faith? That small opening step that could turn into something more? Absolutely. I mean, I came from hell to church, right? I came from hell to church. No one gave me a track and I didn't sing how great, how God. I didn't hear none of that, man. I just heard crazy noises in hell when I was there. <laughs> you know, so the devil is trying to rob your faith. It is the currency of heaven. If I can steal your wallet, I can steal your identity. See, if I can steal your wallet, I can take your identity because, it, it, because what you hold in your wallet is your faith. It's the currency of heaven. 
I'm talking about spiritual wallet. I'm not talking about a physical wallet. So, so if I can steal your wallet, I can steal your identity. And, and faith, faith to me, I believe God for anything because I've learned to walk in my faith. I learned to be stretching my faith. I learned to grow in my faith. I don't have to grow. I don't have to be a theologian. I mean, if you're a theologian, that's all good. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, to know the word and be a, be a, be a student of the word. I'm all for that. But in the end of my story, you know, it is my faith. Jesus said, when I come back to the earth, would I find faith on the earth? Understand? I have to believe God for the impossible for the impossible in the times we're in, the times we're going. People think that, you know, that, that things are going to get easier. Things are not going to get easier. No. Uh, who, who lied to you? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> you know, things are not going to get easier. Things are not going to, that's why people are falling off the faith. People are falling, people are falling out. People, people are, 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 are compromising because they, they've been into a system that was, they, they, there was a false reality to it. And the bottom line is faith, faith. It's like going to the gym, right? You go to the gym. When, when you go to the gym, I like running. My thing is, my thing is to run. I love running. My thing is running. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I run because I, I, I feel when I run, there's something that happens when I run. I feel there's something that happens to my body when I run. There's something that happens to my spirit, man, when I, in, when I intertwine with the faith in the Word of God and connect it with the Holy Spirit. There's things that happen in the spirit around in me and through me that there's nothing that the devil can convince me to believe that he has something the upper hand on me. And, and, that's, and, and the church have removed faith. The church have removed the cross. We have removed the blood of Jesus Christ. We, have, we don't even speak in tongues anymore. Okay, so this is going to be my last question at scale for the group, these guys. Uh-huh. What you're talking about is faith in action. What you're talking about is stepping out. Devil's afraid of it. Devil wants your potential. Devil wants to rob you as much as he can, steal, kill, and destroy. How much has the church not really pushing on godly men to step forward? Do you feel like we've really missed something over the last 10 to 15 to 20 years by not cultivating a stronger sense of godly masculinity? I'll be honest, my dad is not the masculine type. It kind of skipped an entire generation. I was partly raised by my grandfather, and thank God for that. And that it's a prisoner of war, ten and a half months in World War II. But I, I look around, and my God, I mean, the culture is fatherlessness is a whole separate conversation, episode unto itself. But just Christian men lacking a fire, lacking a drive, a motivation to lead themselves and lead the household, where so many women have to step forward, and so many women are the faith leaders. Thank God for that. I mean, thank God they've done that and they've taken on the mantle while so many you know men have stepped backwards. Almost as if the church, in my opinion, and this is just my sideways, you know, pastor's kid opinion, instead of the church saying men step forward, said men stand somewhere. Stand somewhere, wherever you want, wherever you want. Back, forward, front, side, outside, well, outside's cool. We've even redefined masculinity. When you say good, strong men uh, step forward, I think we really have to watch that because I, I watch these guys going to the gym and they're just looking at their, you know, they're just, they're so. Do it for inward. the gram. Do it for the gram. They're, they're so concerned about their looks and all the other things. I'd recommend. Spend more time in First and Second Timothy, oh, and that's finding a whole... that finding out what it requires to be a real man or a real leader within a church, man or woman, because that's what's missing. 
that containing your own household before you start being a leader in a, in a church by controlling all your uh, behaviors, everything from sex outside of marriage, all the other things that nobody seems to be talking about. And um, that's what we have to do. We have to redefine what a righteous man is. By the way, for the people listening, Graham is, I mean, he can't turn the swagger off. I mean, 75 years, he's a fourth degree black belt. John even called him out in the service. He's like, look at this handsome guy. And he's, 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 he's looking around. He sees society and culture for what it is, right? I mean, he's, he's the guy that we all want to be when we grow up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, not all of us. I can't even find my phone. <laughs> <laughs> what's the message to men, with or without a spiritual warfare lens on it? I mean, that's a whole, again, it's a whole separate conversation. But what's the church supposed to be saying to men right now? Or do you even feel like there's something that the church should be saying to men? Is there a responsibility? Personally, I feel there is a responsibility, but... Opinions, thoughts. So, First Corinthians talks about, says, quit ye like men or prepare yourself like men. And you said it a little while ago about the sweat equity that is required. And as men, as human beings, but men in general, we are wired, right, by the kingdom of God, by the principles of God's word in our natural makeup, DNA, to get value out of what we sweat for. This goes all the way back to Genesis by the sweat of your brow. Mm -hmm. Once sin came into dominion in the earth, the command for man to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue was going to be by the sweat of their brow. The church has not preached the sweat message. They preach a sissy message. Well, and so men, so men aren't attracted. They show true. up. To, they show it's up to, to some effeminate guy up there talking about live your best life now and the tightest jeans possible oh, with holes in it. And so, what's funny is going to your church, and this is I haven't told anyone. It's just kind of a thought that came in. Your church is filled with a bunch of God fearing alphas. Amen. You can Amen. feel it. You shake hands. The measure of man is how he looks you in the eye and he shakes hand. And it's it's not like this machismo thing. There's no false bravado. Like, whether it's a puffing up at the chest, it's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, we could fight, but we won't, because God. Love that. And other groups of churches, you know, being in a small world of church security, right? I can tell you that I'm a sheepdog, or I'm a wolf, and I'm looking for other wolves. I don't care what you are, right? Do you fear God first and foremost, and then align yourself accordingly with what the Bible says? But your church is almost unique in that sense. Listen, nothing against tight jeans and you know whatever else anyone wants to wear. But I've got a lot against tight jeans. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what David Wilkerson said to me when I first met him. He said that one of the first thing he said, the, the, the Pastor Bill asked me to walk Wilkerson home, and uh, I was in the security volunteer ministry, and I'm walking home. And one of the things he started to ask me questions, and I was a little confused because he was he talked slow. So I couldn't understand what he's saying. I was very nervous. But in the end of the story, when I walked him to the door, when I walked him to his door, he said, I see Jesus in you. And the reason why he could say, and no, I'm not talking about being perfect, and no one is perfect but God. But you have to be genuine to walk the walk. Amen? You have to be genuine. And one of the things Wilkinson taught me when he used to seven places to preach, like uh, there was a Camp Hope, whatever he had, the, the, the Camp Hope for the woman. I went there to preach. I preached in uh, the church. I mean, not the church. It used to be at the school. had a different name back then. I preached at the school. As summit as summit. now. There was another name to it. Uh, Walkerson told me, you can teach a monkey to preach. Technique. 
He said, but what keeps you and what makes a man of God is godly character. It's godly character. He said, that will keep you. And that will, that's what makes a man of God. A broken man. A man that is broken by God. That's what keeps you. Because you see, the bottom line is you can, you, can buy, you can buy the oil in the supermarket. You can go get Goya in the supermarket. Right? But what did it cost the olive? To be broken. To be crushed. To be crushed. You got to let God crush you. Amen. Stop justifying stuff. Let, let, let God put you on the potter's wheel. Because when God puts you in the potter's wheel, you don't say hallelujah, you say ouch. And people don't want to go through the process. All right, that wraps up part two of part three of the John Ramirez Roundtable episode. And that's probably one of the bigger takeaways personally. It's always good to be reminded that everyone wants the juice, but nobody wants the squeeze. The crushing of the grapes, right? What has God placed within us? The potential for something amazing, for something incredible, something for a time such as this. He saved the best wine for last. That's my takeaway. And whoever you are, wherever you are, today's the time to start praying from a position of strength, anointing, understanding, wisdom, guidance, unction, authority, dominion. These are things that Christ died on the cross to give. If you don't have a relationship with him, in the name of Jesus, we call you forward. Rise, stand to your feet, accept Christ as Lord and Savior, and repent. For those of us that have him in our hearts, desire the gifts of the Spirit, desire to be crushed, go contend with God. Ask him what that means to you. Stick around for part three. For more information, go to the website, fourth.watch, F-O-U-R-T-H dot W-A-T-C-H. That's it. God bless, God speed, get after it. Today's here, but tomorrow is not promised. Whoever you are, wherever you are, it's about the work. God bless and God speed.